0: innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit Parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
2: It's the podcast. It's The BritFlix.com podcast. Hello and welcome to another BritFlix.com film show. Today's episode features the new UK sci-fi film, Native. It's a low-budget film and it was shot ostensibly in a a disused leisure centre in East London, Barking and Dagenham to be precise, and... um, we, we at BritFlix got a chance to speak to the producers, the director and some of the work experience from local schools who had a chance to experience life on a film set. Each chapter of the podcast, the people I'm speaking to introduce themselves, so I don't have to do it in this intro. So over to the crew of Native to tell you about what they thought it was going to be like before they made the film what the challenges were like on set and also learned from the work experience people what they found out from being on a film set for the first time right i'm on set sorry my name's stuart wright Brifflist.com. i'm on set with uh, neil atkinson and Tim fitzsimmons and your roles are neil i'm producer and writer of native and your role is producer Producer, okay. Of Native as well. Oh, Native. Oh, there's not two films going on. No, no it'd be too classic.
0: No.
2: no. <laughs> so, um, Native is a low-budget sci-fi film, but do you want to give us a little bit of a, a little bit of a brief understanding of what the story is? Yeah, it's well.
3: about um, two um, sort of humanoid forms, where we don't really, in within the script, we don't really make clear whether or not they're aliens or humans, but it does become qu- clear quite quickly that they are aliens, mm. uh, and they're. Hunting down the planet which created this sound signal, not entirely dissimilar, dissimilar to Voyager, mm-hmm. uh, and they're sort of. It becomes clear again as they're in transit that they're, um, they may well be looking to not just to explore Earth but also to colonise. Uh, but within there, they're a telepathic society, and uh, they're, they're selected because they're the best telepaths to do this job. Two characters, ones called Eva and ones called Cain. Uh, uh, Eva's played by Ellie Kendrick, and Kane by River Graves. And in transit, what happens to Rupert's character, uh, Kane, is his telepathic connection is is to him. She dies, uh, and he's left completely isolated. So this society, which is which exists around telepathy, so that there's no, there's not the sort of there's not design, there's not art, there's not other forms of communication, because they're constantly connected to one another. He begins to fracture from it and goes through a, a series of issues and changes. So it's like it's like he's discovering his own free will. It's free will, but also just uh, simply he, he, he's becoming more and more human with the the, the, the negative connotations ah, of that okay. and, and positive connotations of that as well. So he, he's he, because he's no longer part of this of this wonderful collective, yeah. which can which which can achieve and be and, and can propagate itself. He begins to find conflict. He begins to find art. He begins to find creativity. Because if we could constantly communicate with one another perfectly, then why would we actually be creative? So on and so forth. So that's yeah. sort of that's sort of all in there, and it all takes place. Well,
2: eighty-five percent of the script takes place on uh, a huge spaceship, which we built in Goresbrook Leisure Centre. So let's get let's get onto that then. So it is a bit of a bit of an undertaking as far as uh, low budget filmmaking goes. So, what were your preconceptions going into this production, knowing that you had to set up a space station, as it were?
0: Well, we're f- we're first time producers. So so w- when Dan... The director Neil and I have been working in collaboration for a number of years, mm. uh, and we wanted to make a feature film. We had lots and lots of blockages along the way, and, and then when we sat together about six or eight months ago, uh, I, I sort of gave them a task and said, "Look, we need to make something. Use your creativity in writing, and then let's see what we can do." They came up with with a script, which is which is what we're what we're making at the moment, and then uh, and then the, the initial challenges were, were really. To, to establish whether we could make something of quality that we put our name to hmm. uh, on the budget, given, uh, given the standard of the script, really. So we, we were well encouraged because uh, Jen Handorf, our co-producer, who's very, very experienced. I mean, we, we quickly work with Jen. And, and she said, yeah, it was achievable, but it was still going to be a challenge. You know, my, my challenge is, first of all, my, my idea, first of all, is to, is to, when I saw the models of the quality that the crew um, that the crew and, and the creative elements who had been attached uh, to our project mm. was to see the quality they were introducing. And it was quite frightening because what was being proposed for the budget that we had available yeah. seemed to me like, yeah, how can that happen? Yeah. Uh, so that was, the first, that was the first thing, is to thinking, are we being over-ambitious here? Okay. Then when you arrive and, and you see this, this sort of, all this, this quality coming together, and certainly in, 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 in the crew sense, in the set... Um, it, it was It was a realization that you know you can actually you can do this justice mm. and and you sort of want to be we, we wanted uh, we wanted to be loyal to the quality that Neil and Dan's script yeah but at the same time we were determined to make this happen, but as it moves further and further on you know you you, you sort of not your expectations, but your desires and your ambitions get stronger and stronger. Certainly when you see the, um, the goodwill out of, out of the crew as well, mm. when you see the quality of the crew, the, the quality of the cast, you know, it, it sort of it, it gathers momentum. Mm. And it's something I didn't anticipate, really. I, I didn't anticipate that every, each and every single day I'd be panicking about finances and I'd be just m- making do. Mm. Uh, the, the, the great surprise in, in this enterprise, it's, for me anyway as a first-time producer, is that Every day has been a bit more exciting, and every day has been uh, has been sort of uh, a realization that it's getting better and better. Mm. I think so. Be- so, that, so that for me has been it was a challenge that that sort of uh,
3: has been enriching. Really, I think because we looked to budget, um, Jim gave us the figure and said you've got to right and it and it's got to cost this figure mm. because we looked to budget. The, the idea that there's got to be constant compromises mm. to pull it back to budget as sort of because we were very very disciplined and when we were, when we, you know to put it all in this one set that's been built and to put 85 percent of it we're filming um 11 days here and three days on location or sorry 10 and three sorry um you know what that meant was the idea that we did loads of the compromises in writing loads of them
2: so, so, you, so you kind of made budget decisions Ahead of getting it. Fundamentally, completely. As yeah. opposed to what Jim was saying there, that you anticipate maybe there could be some more. So, we, yeah, we were yes.
3: worried that there could be some more, but I think we did a really good job, and I think that, that's massively down to Jen, not just for the, what she did in terms of getting people here and getting them moving oh. and working and getting good people who, who find creative solutions, but also the advice she gave us as we were going through the writing process, the okay. rewriting process. She was, she was actively involved in, I'd certainly say, the last sort of um, seven, eight drafts in terms of keeping it. And saying this is achievable, this isn't achievable, this is achievable, mm. this isn't achievable, and then me and Dana go away, and we look to find creative solutions to, to that within the script. And I think that that's been the the reason why I agree with Jim. Really, I thought on the budgetary side, I thought it'd be a lot harder. I thought there'd be more days. I thought we'd have to make more hard choices. And we really haven't. That those choices it transpires we've made, we made them uh, three months ago. So yeah. every yeah. shot
2: you've scheduled, you've shot. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the thing, the thing about it is, is that is that. I, you know, I expected it to be come up, to come in on budget, hmm. and that was it. I mean, I mean, initially, <laughs> when when we started off with Neil and Dan, yeah. I mean, there was no go and write something, so they wrote something, and it was brilliant,
4: hmm.
0: in my view. I'm biased. It was brilliant, but it had no uh, bearing on, on, on what the budget was. And then we and then we we sort of chipped at it and chipped at it and said, look, you'll have to you know adjust this, adjust that. And I think it worked really, really well. Um, so so I think I think they, I think without Jen. Jen's uh, contribution, involvement and experience, you know, we would have taken us a bit longer
3: Yeah, and we wouldn't have done it as well. What also helped, though, was that we had an amount of money and we didn't get bogged down in trying to raise more. What we didn't do was make our... We're still looking to continue the, the, the fundraising process now we've got it shot. Mm. But we made a very conscious decision that we had X amount of money and this is what we've got and that's what we've got to write it to. Mm. It wasn't as though we were still thinking two weeks beforehand. It wasn't as though me or Jim were running around mad trying to get another... Twenty grand from somebody from finding another investor at short notice.
2: Can you give us an example from 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 the script itself where there was things that you thought when you originally wrote, let's say, the early drafts, you thought this is going to be a challenge at, at the perceived low budget, but it stayed in. But equally, give us an example of one that of what what kind of things actually got took out.
3: Oh God, that's tough. On uh, no homework, you' I've got to be honest. Without uh, looking back through previous drafts, I think that I actually. I, One of the things I'd say is I very much like writing limitations. I think choice, you you may have had this conversation the other day, I think choice is one of the the worst things that can happen to a writer because if you can do practically anything, then you'll never make a decision. Mm. Um, And so therefore, we've had to very much limit what we can do on location to the three days we will go on location. Right. And that's an example of, and a couple of times, I was writing more extensive uh, on-location scenes almost, and I think it would have made that, that that segment of the film, now that I've seen everything that's done internally, mm. it would have made it thematically clang. The exterior stuff when, when, uh, when, when uh, they arrive on Earth, I think has got to feel more like an explosion and less like a longer journey, and it will feel like that, whereas I would have made it feel more like a longer journey, and I think that would have been wrong. Okay. So, yeah. it, you know, it would be, and, and, and if, if someone had gra- splashed us another 10 grand three weeks ago, then I, that's what I would have spent the money on. And uh, I would have said, okay. let's go that way. And as I say, now that I've seen them shooting in there, I've seen the way that looks, I've seen tonally how it's pitched, I've seen the way in which the performances play off each other, then I basically probably would have made the wrong choice. So it's just like constraints make
2: for better story writing in have. some
0: senses. Yeah. I mean, there's another elements as well that, that, we haven't, that we haven't touched on. Uh, one of the, one of, we had good fortune to to um, to work in cooperation with the Robert Clack School. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we, know, we know we we respect that school and we've got a lot of admiration for, for the pupils and teachers there. And as a result of our association with them and their uh, desire to get involved in the project, uh, plus their influence with Barkin and Dagenham, that also gave us a, re- a huge lift yeah. in relation to the set to right. our access to the set. And to the and to the outside locations, so that was absolutely, you know, for mm. us was fundamental on a, on a personal level. Secondly, uh, in as a result of that um, cooperation and relationship, we've given the opportunity for a number of pupils to have sort of meaningful roles within the film, and they've been they've been great. I mean, it's mm. absolutely fantastic. They've been working alongside a very very experienced casting crew, so you know, there's there's been a a, a double sort of win situation. Both for us and for the school, and and also uh, the goodwill that we've received from Barking and Dagenham. So I think, I, th- I think you know we've had we've had a number of factors uh, go in our favour that have have sort of enabled us to, to to what we believe is bring about a you know sort of a, a quality product.
3: Goodwill's massive, and I think that on any film set I, I suspect um, goodwill is massive. But I think, on, obviously, on a on a, on a low micro budget one, the goodwill of the collective is absolutely huge, and there's loads of it sloshing around. And it's, you know, it's not, this isn't about sorts of things like, what are you doing well, what are you doing badly? It's more about sort of coalescing everyone into, into a degree of a whole. Dan, the director's been great for that, um, Jen's been great with that, the, 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 two lead, the two leads in the cast have been great for that. But also I think that the, the involvement of, of the school and the way in which the crew specifically have responded to their involvement, mm. it's nice to have fresh energy, it's nice to be asked questions, it's nice to have people clearly respect what it is that you're doing and, w- and want to learn from it. Mm. And I think it's kept everyone sort of, you know, I, I, we're here now, we've had one day off, this is day nine. We've had one day off and we've been doing nine to nine and it's been, um, no one goes anywhere else, people come here. It's out in Dagenham and no, it's, no matter which way you're doing it, it's taken everyone, with the exception of the of, of the school, uh, the, the young people from the school, it's taken everyone more than half an hour to get in in both directions mm. and yet the goodwill on the set uh, everyone was speaking to, just seems to be immense to be honest with you, and it'd be quite easy if you know there's only two more days now, in fact there's only one more day now really in this in this location and it'd be easy now if everyone was absolutely sick of the place, but people don't seem to be mm. you know, the, the loos aren't perfect and we're running out of crisps and all that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. And, but everyone just seems to really have a, just, just seems to have enjoyed it and enjoyed the mm. process of working with one another and I think, you know, if, the, if there's one thing that I'd take forward on this, looking at doing any other low or micro budget stuff, is that You're obviously hiring people for experience, you're obviously hiring them for the knowledge base, you're obviously looking to get them involved because of what they can do to add on screen. But I'd say that the demeanour of everybody off screen is as important, if not more important, and that as long as everyone feels as though they're a collective and they in what you're doing together, then I just think it's great. It really is, and it's, it's quite. I, I don't like sort of lovely stuff. I try to always dodge it full stop, and I think you can always be a bit, God, here they go again. I'm not trying to say it like that. I'm just trying to say that, you know, me and Jim come from quite a... We're from Liverpool, and, you know, Jim's background's in football and things like that, and that's sort of what we're like, but it really is that, that idea of of it being a team ethic. Mm. Not that everybody's constantly patting each other on the back, but everyone's just basically gone, yeah, all right, this is what we're going to do, and, and, and we're just going to do it. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd reinforce that. I mean, it's, c- coming from a different background, being a first time producer, you know, and then coming down, I think a first time producer, I might come down and have a little bit of luck, what's going on, you know. Yeah. As it is, I know Asda. <laughs> Inside out, I know Screw Fix, like the back of my hand. Neil's had his hands down, toilets cleaning them. This is what producers do in a micro budget. Yeah, yeah. We do everything, <laughs> everything that we can mm. do to, to facilitate what's going on because professionals, real professionals, uh, are working in the background, making this thing happen. And if you look at, if you look at the quality of the people that I see out there performing, mm. the cast, and they're only doing it for one thing: one, because they, they like what they do, and two, because they enjoyed they enjoyed the script and we really believe in what we're doing. And it's the same for every every member at HOD, whether it be whether it be sound, whether it be lighting, whether it be uh, DOP, they're all here. Mm. They're all here for very, very little money, mm. and there's um, in this sector. Cause, as I say it's a bit different from the sector I've come through. It's there's a there's a, a real desire to make things things happen. And, you know, it's quite. I think it's quite. It, it is uplifting. I've really enjoyed. Yeah, it's, it. almost,
2: it's almost like there's there's. Every every problem that you encounter, there's always somebody trying to give you the solution, as opposed to yeah. people shying away from.
3: Yeah, massively, you know, internally within the crew, that's completely been the case. And um, you know, there's the, like um, Colin is currently photographing this. We had a noise on the roof, and we had to talk him out of climbing across the <laughs> roof to fix the noise. We had to actually say, Colin, we will not let you do this. We're going to get someone whose job this is. And you know, you've got a fella there who's prepared to walk on roofs for you <laughs> in, 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 in like 40 mile an hour gusts of wind to yeah. fix this thing. And you know, it, and you've got to restrain his enthusiasm. Yeah, and that's just you know it's just one example and i think as i say i think that while, you, while you've got that on, i wouldn't want to be on one of these if it turned bad genuinely it would be absolutely soul-destroying if you got the impression everyone was coming in and they had a face on and it was you know what i mean and no one was enjoying it and it, either because because someone somewhere or three or four people and it's just it's just turning on itself it'd be really really unpleasant mm. you know that's the key thing and that's
2: the you know I that's like key advice from for anyone trying to trying to embark on this kind of a, endeavor isn't it that You want to be with people that want to be with you, it's not...
0: And and, and everybody has a bit of ownership. Yeah. I mean, we're all in it together, we're all a team. I mean, I mean, I know that's a bit of a cliche, like, but we all are. Mm. We're coming here, we're all a team, we're all working together. We're only as strong as the weakest person. Mm. So and I think that's, that feels really good. It's, yeah.
3: it's, it's, Jack, uh, the, the, the lads who did these, who, who, some of our department, three of them didn't go to bed <coughs> last night uh, because there's one specific team that they're getting sorted out. And this is just one little example of it. We were in uh, ASDA and I just happened to ask them if they needed anything before during the day. And Jack said, um, Adelaide, um, I've got a sore shoulder, if you can get us some DPs so or something, that'd be great. And we were in and I went and bought the DPT and he stayed all night. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't have stayed all night if I hadn't bought him the DPT. I'm yeah. not saying that for a second, but he now knows that fellow remembered to go and buy me the DPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, um, you know, that that sort of stuff, you know, it will be easy to think. And, yeah, I mean, I, preconceptions are that. My worry was that we'd be sitting here not doing much me and Jim, because Jen's uh, first 18, she's mm. so active on the production side as well. So, you know, that me and Jim would just be sort of sitting there and we'd be just basically filling forms in and all this sort of stuff. If anything, we're always running around, as Jim said, you know, you're fixing toilets, making mm. sure this is right, that is right, that's right. And it's just trying to create the best circumstances and environments for the people who really do know what they're doing to do it. And I, I, th- I hope, do you think we've done that? I think we've done all right. Yeah. Do, you, do you want to say how good DP was? Do you want to say how good, uh, yeah, know, be, to get them involved? Yeah. <laughs> TP was really, really good one. I think it's one of the key um, innovations of humanity. And yeah. when these aliens get on the planet, they're going to smuggle themselves in TP and say, "I tell you what,
2: these humans—they're all right." I think on that digression, we'll uh, we'll put a close to this Let's first interview. It. Thank you. No problem. Stuart. No, thank Thanks, Stuart. Next up,
4: my name is Daniel Fitzsimmons, and I am the director of Native.
2: Okay, Daniel. Um, now you're also the, the co-writer of the script for Native. So um, in the run-up to shooting the film what were the major decisions you were having to make in terms of developing the script, thinking about the budget you were shooting to, the location you had, and, and did that have any impact on that process? We kind of knew the budget
4: before we started writing, okay. so we knew, we knew what our limitations were going to be, and we knew that, the, you know, we were making production-based decisions through the process, really, hmm. and we knew that if we were going to have anything that involved, A more elaborate staging, i.e., taking it on location, it was going to have to be, um, you know, kept to the minimum, Mm -hmm. uh, which we managed to do because initially it developed from a short story idea that I had, a short film I, which you know we were going to write as a short film where everything took place on the spaceship, but we felt that the thing which makes it. Cinematic, and the thing is which is going to make it cinematic is getting it off the spaceship and onto Earth because that that's the thing that is unique about the story, yeah. Um, and to not do that and to not feel like you were giving the audience a sense of what that would be like for the characters to be on Earth mm. as an alien planet and okay. as aliens, it would have been a bit of a cop out, yeah. So, we knew that we knew where we needed to put our budget basically, and that's. That uh, that was informed right the way through the, the writing process, and then as we were going through finding locations, working out what we could get, what we could get for free, yeah,
2: yeah.
4: then that sort of broadened our horizon to touch, um, and Barking and Dagenham have been fantastic so far, and it looks like we're going to be able to get all the things that we imagined in the script and you know, we're doing our exteriors next week, so I don't want to yeah, speak yeah. too soon, but <laughs> uh, if all goes well, yeah. it'll work. It'll, it'll work out in a really balanced way, and, then, and it'll reflect how... It'll reflect the way that we broke the script up into three constituent parts of The Aliens' Home Planet, The Time on the Ship, which mm. is the bulk of the film, and then Earth. And I think it'll work quite nicely in contrast with the stuff... With each each third of the film, all contrast and dovetail quite nicely with the other two.
2: What's what? What sort of process do you and uh, Neil go through to write a script together? What, how does that work? Between um, the period. we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. I can't through. imagine that.
4: <laughs> and it's great fun, and all the all the rubbish ideas disappear. Yeah. And the good ones kind of stay
2: so um, how you can what's the process of capturing that as you're t- talking through ideas is it almost like you're telling each other the story basically until yeah it makes yeah sense? yeah so we both
4: ramble on and he's got he's got a memory and i haven't so he remembers it <laughs> uh, he remembers it all and then we and then we go through the process of of beating out the story in terms of plot points and um letting the character arcs inform those plot points and Eventually beefing up uh, into sequences, and then putting each sequence into bullet-pointed mm. things which need to happen, scenes which need to happen within a sequence, and then going in. and And I I would normally write the the scenes first draft, and then he then goes in and does his draft, and then I take it back off him, and I, and it's back and forward like that. depend you know depends on how how many snags are in there that we yeah, need yeah. to to solve. Um, I would normally do the, if it's something that I was directing, I would do the last pass yeah. through it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's just a constant dialogue, really. And, and eventually you get something which works. It, it's great to write with somebody and you're not writing on your own because you do get that immediate sense of whether something's working or not. Okay, okay. Which, yeah, when you do something on your own, you don't. You kind of ramble and you don't know where to stop, And, mm. and you can quite often go down blind alleys and cul-de-sacs because you've got no one you've got no you've got nobody you've got no immediate audience nobody's
2: asking why you're doing something
4: no right and yeah. you don't have that response yeah, yeah, so you really yeah. are, you, you're just going and running with it and running with it until you know until eventually you realise that you should have stopped it half an hour ago mm. so um, it's good to have that uh, and then of course when you send the script out to so actors and, and crew and, and, and people who, who you want to get involved in the project then it's then it's kind of that. Then that starts again, really, because you know you send out, particularly something which is quite unusual like this. Mm. You don't know how it's going to be received because you think it's great and I think it's great, but we both tend to like the same sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, so And yeah. you send it out and you think, is it, it? This is either great or shite, and then. Um, <laughs> fortunately
2: then fortunately, fortunately he says yeah yeah yeah
4: no we'll see but I mean I, I think the thing that people take the, the, people buy into it because it is unique and I think yeah. as long as you're doing that as long as you're at either end of the spectrum it's yeah. worth doing you're, if you're somewhere in the middle and it's beige then it, you might as well not bother
0: because
2: it's it's a sci-fi film by, by label isn't it but you're, you're and you're using some sci-fi choice but you're also trying to do something that's not strictly straight down the line sci-fi, aren't you?
4: No, and, and and we never do, really. I mean, we like to work within genre, but we like, we like how good stories can, you know, can basically transcend the genre that mm. they're in. Uh, sci-fi is like that, m- more so than a lot of, m- more so than horror, I, I think. I think you can place good stories and great uh, characters in a sci-fi universe mm. and still play it, uh, you know, and still reference the things that we always go back to, like, you know, Beckett and, and, and things like that, you can have those, you can include things, that, things from other types of movies mm. um, in a much more kind of open way and, and, and let it work for you because you're constructing the universe so you can, you know, mould that to, yeah. to the story. Um, and you don't have to be reliant on genre tropes as much even but
2: you know yeah because with a horror film you can just scare people whereas you you can't get there's no there's no shortcut either in sci-fi no
4: no you've got to you've got to buy into the characters for it to work all the best sci-fi does and then the worst sci-fi doesn't Exactly, exactly so it's it's led by these two characters and and that's the thing which as when we were writing them and when jen came on board as producer and she was go, you know she was informing how we were kind of trying to solve the where these two characters end up at the mm. end which, which w- was kind of a back and forward thing for a while the strength of the characters ultimately leads you to where you're going to go whereas mm. in other ty- in, in, in other very sort of niche genre films I think you are led by where the genre dictates okay, di- that's interesting. Dictates yeah. in order for the audience to have its it, it, the payoff that it's kind of bought the ticket to yeah, go yeah, and get yeah, on, yeah, you know. sure. whereas in this I think you can't you you can let yourself be a little bit more true to the story and the characters itself mm. than you otherwise would in other things.
2: So it's a bit like you, you're kind of, you, you there's enough in there to service the, the sort of hardcore sci-fi fan, but actually there's a lot in there for people that just enjoy film, Yeah, is what you're saying, aren't you? Understand?
4: Yeah, completely, yeah, yeah. Completely. It is a sci-fi, and, and I love sci-fi, yeah. but all the best sci-fi could be, you know, the, the stories in the best sci-fi most a lot of them you can't you could tell in another way, exactly. in another time, yeah. in a different universe with different people. So yeah. So
2: it, So where are you what would you say you're taking your kind of director or your lead from in terms of this what you're trying to shoot with the film? Um it's
4: hard to say really. I think the visual reference that we took into the film hmm were not always movies that I was I was a fan of, but I I did want I did want to take a look into the film that that I've seen in other films, like you know things like I mean things like Sunshine, I, lo- I loved and, and, and visually we took a lot from that. Prometheus, I think in, in terms of the way it looks and the way it, it pulls you in. Mm. I mean I don't think it's completely successful in other ways, but I think the way that it, it pulls you in to its universe, yeah. I think I think it's great. Alien, first Alien. You know, in, into you know how sparse that is, and how it's sort of stripped back, mm. um, and kind of this is ninety minutes of genius, and that's what you get. Mm. And it, there's no bells and whistles, and you know, it's it's a, it's grimy, and it's you know you want to look away. Mm. Those sorts of, though I was informed by, the way that those films, were able to manipulate audiences rather than going well I like this director, so I'm gonna make a film like him. Mm. I would never do that really. It's 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 working out what the script is first and having it on the page mm. and then going, okay, how, how do we tell this visually and what you know, where can we where can we take from, mm. where can we steal from, where can we okay. beg and get things from, which we've done a lot of begging on this.
2: <laughs> from from look from from being on set and looking at how what you've built has worked for the film, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of magic going on with well, essentially, they're quite. You know, it's MDF, it's polystyrene, it's mm. it's. Mm. It's sort of. What, what's been your? How how's that collaboration gone between you as the director and the the people building the set with you?
4: I mean, they. I think they take most the, all the credit for that, really. Okay. Because I mean, my my big concern on the, on the budget level that we're on. Uh, and telling the story successfully was. The spaceship needs to feel real. It needs to feel like a spaceship. It can't feel like a backdrop or a. Mm. You know, it can't feel like a flat. It needs to feel like you're in it. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I kind of knew what I didn't want it to look like, but I didn't really. I couldn't really eloquently explain yeah, yeah, yeah. how I did want it to look because I didn't really know. It was kind of fuzzy over here somewhere. And then when John Revel came on, and he had all these great ideas, and he loves, he hears a you know sci-fi disciple. Right. He came up with this design, and we talked it through, and it, you know it was conceptual at that stage. And then he he did the drawings, which were great, and then he built the scale model, which again was like, wow, this
2: is fantastic. So, was those fuzzy things in your mind were they becoming clearer when yeah, you saw yeah, the Yeah,
4: absolutely. And then and then Colin Smith, who, who who does visual effects, came on, and he he sat down with us all, and we all talked it through, and and the potential that the d- d- the design had for mm. us to even you know to. to to create things within mm. such a simple template, and but a simple and, and beautiful template, yeah. was really exciting. So I think the key thing was to just embrace the simplicity of the of, of the place, allow the, the the visual effects to to be the the icing on it, yeah, and then when we were in the space itself because it is quite sparse when you take the minimal furniture that we've got in there yeah. out it's just bare you know mm. so then you then you're relying on your lights and 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 nick and um and billy have done a smashing job making it mm. changing the feel of each room and the corridors and right the way through the, the script telling it, mm. uh, telling the story using the lights yeah. um, and um and, and finding you know finding our our way through the space as the story goes on, and as we've changed through rooms, yeah, yeah. it's been a really—it's—it's it's a limited thing, but it forces a discipline on you that I think really hones what you're trying to do, um, and 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 keeps your eye on what the story, <laughs> is. you know, rather yeah, than yeah. shooting cool stuff. You're actually telling story all the time.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Because so you've, you've only
4: got, what we got, 13 days to do it. So yeah. yeah you yeah. know, you can't go. You can't spend two hours doing cool slow-mo you know you've got it you know you've got to decide where you need the cool slow-mo and then
2: but it's interesting when, when i'm talking to you sort of off, outside this interview you were saying there's sort of elements of it where it's eighth of a page and it's taking you maybe half a day and then suddenly because of the shots you've got to get yeah. for that to create the mood and i think you were sort of saying about um the notion of you didn't just want this this conversation followed by conversation you wanted to Evoke a move, didn't you? Yeah. With what you're trying to shoot. Yeah,
4: it has to be like that. It has to feel fluid because don't forget that these people are on a, on a mission that... You know the story, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on a mission that's uh, that's taken... They're on the spaceship. They're on this spaceship together with nobody else for two, two years or, you know, two and a half years. Mm. So we can't compress the time the time's got to feel the time's got to feel dilated itself through the film so you know that the space in between those conversations which are going to be sparse which would be sparse for them need to feel sparse Mm. for us in that days run into weeks
2: so it's like the film it's like the film breathing as it were yeah
4: sort of well yeah because we condense time and then we stretch it out and then it feels Mm. like we've got you know weeks are gone and then it feels like everything's compressed into Mm. hours you know Mm. so to do that it can't just be a load. It can't just be a load of scenes. There's got to be travel between places. There's got to be, you know, you've got to let the characters exist within the space. Okay. Um, because particularly, and we'll find this in the edit. You know, we we're gonna need to 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 work out what that pacing is, and then um, and then have you know have all the the stuff which on which is, Eva walks down the corridor, mm. one eighth of a page. And then that, you know, in reality, you're gonna to want to make that visually interesting and visually different enough to know that you that, that you are in a, a new space, a, a new time. Oh, that's what you're saying. Yeah, later, yeah, yeah, A yeah. Of month later, but you know, you you are the, the, the passage of time through it is, is elastic. Really. It's like we're
2: falling into the movie, isn't it? Then. In yeah, that way? yeah, yeah. As opposed to just. Da, 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 da.
4: Yeah, it's got a feel. It, it's a big elastic band. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. What. Um, for kind of first time filmmakers maybe listening to this um, what would you say has been a kind of lesson learned for you making this film that you would take forward to future projects Um,
4: first time feature yeah so it's I don't know really I I kind of sort of it's gone the way I expected it to go I mean I've, I've done short films and stuff like that and and it's just like that but longer you've just got to have a really clear idea of the script mm. it, it, it all comes down to the script it's not on the page it's not there and you're never going to find it i don't think not, not the way i work anyway. yeah some people do but then those people tend to have a lot bigger budgets with a lot more time to shoot you know if it's not on the page that you don't have to focus because if it's not on the page you can't communicate it to everybody else you can't tell the actors what they're doing yeah it, 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 that that's your your bible and and that needs to, you need to know that absolutely inside out, and if you do, you can make everybody else make you look good. <laughs> That's the thing that I've learned.
2: Sounds good. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Stu. Next up is a group conversation, one of two, with some of the work experience on Native. Georgia Juice, lighting assistant.
5: Callum Shepherd, location manager.
6: Charlie Parnell, set dresser.
2: Conor Cahill Hayes, prop master.
5: Darcy Cox, art department.
2: Okay, now you're all work experience from the same school, I'm guessing, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Okay, cool. That's cool. And then we'll uh, we'll. So you're Darcy. You're from.
5: Well, I'm from Richmond College. Okay. But I'm here because Sam, who's the architect who drew the drawings, is yeah. my cousin. Okay.
2: So. <laughs> and it is, but it is work experience for you. This, this. Well, yeah, yeah. Cool. So you four guys are from local school then? No,
6: Oscar yeah? the from Robert Clack. Oh you're not I'm making All this up as you go along now. What kind of <laughs>
2: podcast is this? People are gonna accuse like me to of, people are gonna confuse, confuse me with somebody who's professional. Um, so let's get this right then. So the three of you, that's George, Callum and Charlie Charlie, sorry, are from what school? Robert Clack. And you're from All Saints. All Saints. Are they, is All Saints local? It's right next door to Robert Clack pretty much. Is it really? Yeah, really
6: yeah. uh, twenty metres
5: apart. Yeah.
2: Okay. Now, Das has explained how she got involved with the film. How did you three from Clutch School get involved?
5: Uh, Mr. Well Dan, he's a teacher at our school. So Dan? David Simmons, the director, yeah. yeah. He, um, <coughs> he's a GCSE assistant when it comes to Spanish. So he asked uh, Mr. Johnson to if we could, if he could get some work experience students to come and help.
2: Really. OK. And what are, you, what are you studying that makes you interested in film?
6: Film studies. OK. <laughs> and media. Well, I'm and doing media. media. I still just do film studies. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got an interest as well outside of school, obviously. Mm. And yourself? Oh, well, as I'm from All Saints, so I also do, um, um, I do media at Robert Clack. So okay. my teacher, Mr Johnson, just came in and said, uh, do I want to help on this uh, project? And I'm in the year above, so I don't have to do work experience, but I just thought it'd be quite fun. OK. It's a good experience.
2: If you could give me, like, an example of a lesson learned from being on the film set so far. Put it another way, what do you now understand about being on a film set that you didn't understand before you came on? Uh,
3: there's a lot
6: of uh, backstage work that goes on, a lot of pre-production that ain't really appreciated. Well, what I feel you... ain't really appreciated in films that we see on on telly and on cinemas. Yeah. And just, that's it really.
2: What have you found out, um, Callum?
5: That the a stereotype that people there's a lot of stereotypes going around about people in films being arrogant and stuff, which found out it's not that true. No, because everyone is pretty down to earth regardless of what they've
2: done, who they know, and stuff
5: like that. Yeah,
6: Charlie. I've learned that uh, that uh, people don't understand or realise how much attention they pay attention to the set. So like how much detail and how like how they think of minor stuff and how to fix it and everything. Okay. I don't really understand like how detailed uh, they make the set.
2: So what, have you got a specific example that you, that you can remember? Right.
6: <clears throat> just a little strip of lighting, yeah. like, coming from outside. If they think that's, that doesn't look good, they'll, like, cover it up, and things like that. OK. Um, I've learned that sort of everyone's got their own little jobs to get done to make up the big film, and it's sort of difficult to kind of carry on with what you're doing when mm. they're filming at the same time. So to try and balance that is, is a bit of a challenge, but it's, you know, it's worthwhile. When they finish um, recording and I can start painting again,
2: Okay, <laughs> I can get it done. What about you, Darcy?
5: Um, yeah, I learned some of the things like the sets still being built whilst I'm filming, mm. and so it's kind of like an ongoing process like, to get things done.
2: And is it fair to say you all of you got ambition to work in film in the future?
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah. yeah. What What are you looking to do, George?
6: Um, I was hoping to get into acting, uh, screenwriting, and failing that, anything to do with the film industry, any work, any production okay anything in that area yeah i wanna become a writer and director
2: yeah
6: i'm not entirely sure i'm not split between music <coughs> and film industry okay so if i was going to make in the middle I'd probably do film music
2: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> what about uh, yourself i'm sort of like charlie so i'm split between art and media okay so i'm going to do a foundation course at Ravensbourne to try and find out you know mm. what my vocation is going to be moving forward
2: and well, they've got a good
6: film school though yeah. Ravensbourne, yeah yeah um, you
5: I yeah, I, uh, I want to do more TV, um, but yeah, script writing, like coming up with the ideas and things like that.
2: So. Okay, well, thank you very much. And here's my second or two interviews with some of the work experience on this set of Native.
5: Uh, my name is Arafat and I'm from
7: Warren School
5: and I've, I've been working in sound department.
2: Okay.
7: Hi, my name's von um, Osman and I worked as a producer's assistant okay. I'm from Robert School.
2: Okay, so I spoke to some of your, your peers who were also on work experience on the film, and uh, the first question I asked them was having now worked on, on set, what would you say, and both of you have answered this, so what, what would you say as being a lesson you've learned that you didn't appreciate about film that you now do?
5: Yeah, it's the sound department itself okay is cuz like there's a lot of preconceptions about sound is not very important about like there's not very much you know there's very little work that goes into it but like Lois my head of sound is actually really over my eyes in a lot of things that goes on like the mixing of the sound and everything the booming people think oh just hold up a pole mm. how like hard can that be but there's like, actually ways of holding it up to not like, make your arms ache to get the best possible sound and as jen said when we first um started the job she said um like a bad sound can ruin a really beautiful picture mm. so like so it just i, I found any appreciation for sound mm. say, yeah. i think i
2: think i, I me, what, what people tend to say is that you can we'll all watch something bad as long as the sounds okay we'll mm. forgive it but if something looks beautiful and sounds bad i don't think we, we can enjoy it as yeah. much so from from a, as a produ- producer's assistant what yeah. how have you what have you learned about yeah. filmmaking that you didn't appreciate before
7: I think everyone just assumes that it's like a hierarchy. So you've got the the director who's at the top and, mm. like, it all depends on what he says, which it is true in some, like, respect, but I yeah. think it's more of, like, a team. So you you understand as, like, a producer's assistant, mm-hmm. but every department is important. And I think that's not something that everyone counts on these days. Right. So I think that's more... It's made me appreciate that, so it's, like... The more of like every part of the kind of film crew is important, yeah. and everyone has to kind of be in sync with each other to understand mm-hmm. so,
2: yeah. so what is it your, what is it you're studying that got you to be involved on a work experience like this?
7: We both did um, media studies okay, and I did um, film studies in addition to that,
2: which is okay.
5: very, very helpful in like yeah.
2: And do do you, do you have aspirations? Has this fueled or dampened aspirations for working in film?
5: It's it's very much fueled Fueled, it. fueled. fueled. It's Like I would I would never. Although I would actually you know. I preferred to do this work experience when I was in year 12, so I can actually put this in my personal statement, let everyone know about mm. it. But now I've, it's already been filled out. I've already, you know, got the uni, um, which is, like, quite unfortunate. But still, I've still got that experience, mm-hmm. and that could never be
7: taken away from me.
2: It cannot, yeah. no. So So
7: it's, it's very good.
2: What about yourself?
7: I think it's just been um, life-changing in some way. I know it sounds a bit cheesy saying life-changing, but um, I did say to, like, the other producers and nearly everyone but just leave the set here and i'll just stay <laughs> i'll put a hot air balloon on it and just like it'll be my bed set <laughs> from now and just sit there but i i love it i mean i never thought entering sixth form that i would actually want to do film it was um kind of mentioned to me that like media was something i might like yeah but it's like total career change yeah, that's interesting. I need to be a psychologist. <laughs> it's totally changed. I want to do anything to do with um. No, it's mm. like brilliant. Love
2: it. So you you're saying you 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 got into university? The course app. What you're doing after sixth form now?
5: Yeah, um, I've already filled it out. Yeah, Bournemouth University. They, okay. Uh, yeah, apparently they have the like the best media school. Apparently. No, 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 <laughs> it's got no. Friends of mine yeah, have been there. It's got it's a hell really of a reputation. Good. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I'm hoping to continue that along. Um, um, Although I'm doing marketing communications, mm-hmm. it's, com- it's a like combination with business and media because like we all know the film industry is, is not never going to be like you know certain like, sure. and like sure. and so the business aspects of it actually kind of you know gives me like a steady you know. Um, a steady thing, thing, to fall back on. Makes and sense. Like I can always go in different areas, and it's mm. marketing. Marketing has so much, you know, so much things under it that I can go into, and I think that's just brilliant.
2: Okay, yeah. and what so if you've made this big career change, is that is that yeah. affected where you in terms of university yeah. and stuff?
7: Not really, because I um I changed the whole career kind of thought, um on my second year, so okay. I could do all my UCAS stuff and like university mm. stuff straight off that Mm. so uh, yeah it's not been um difficult to change it but it has been kind of confusing Mm. in the way that what's like the best option and i chose obviously film and stuff Mm. but um
2: yeah one last thing then what's what's been your favorite thing about about this work experience to date
7: um
5: probably being so intimate with the casting career because um Sound is actually a position where any no one wanted to fill um, because basically I, I originally actually applied for director's assistant because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you know, the cliche, director gets to do everything. But then going into sound, I got to be so intimate. I was in every single, sh- like, in, in the room when every single shot was being taken and I'd just been there. OK. And that opportunity is just re- been really good.
2: What about yourself? What's been your favourite experience mm-hmm. so far?
7: It's hard to say one particular experience because you've obviously... You're filled with wonderful people, like Arafat said. And um, everyone's just amazing. And then you've got this opportunity to just do such, like, awesome work. It's so cool. But um, I think the fact that in like the producers assistant role you kind of go into every kind of department and you can see everyone's kind of either if it's a struggle or if it's um like how they excel in, and it's just brilliant to kind of see that and Mm. the development i'm really i like to be busy Mm -hmm. so i've loved running around and just everywhere i even like make drinks and stuff (laughs) (laughs) it's like tea coffee food toast so, like, these, everything. These are
2: all part. Everyone's yeah. got a bit of mm-hmm. a work on a full stomach and not thirsty. Well, look. <laughs> thank you very much for your time.
7: Sorry. Thank you. Thank you.
2: So I'm back with uh, with Neil to talk specifically now about the script. Um, so, so Neil, I, I, I spoke a little bit to Dan about the sort of writing process between the pair of you. In the sort of um, what did he say? What did he say? Exactly. I can't exactly what he was saying, but... Just so we're both telling the same words.: No, it's, it's all right. No, I realise that the, the, the smoke and mirrors need to get both, both the same, don't they? Essentially, it was, um, it was this idea of, you know, first pass, then... Well, in fact, you no, he said you talk about it a lot before you write stuff. So you talk about the story a lot. Was, was, so it's almost like when you get down to writing, it's almost like you know it. Yeah, completely. Um, I think it's it's
3: it's it's knowing it front to back as well, not just knowing, um, not 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 just knowing sort of where, where we're starting and where we ideally want to finish. It's much more sort of creating a series of parameters and rules, uh, and then existing within them. And again, mm-hmm. what I was saying before about the constraints being important. Yeah. I think it's I genuinely believe that when you're writing stuff, when you're trying to come up with a story. One of the best things you can do early uh, on any story, whatever form it's in, is understand completely your universe, have a complete sense of exactly what you therefore can and can't allow, mm. and then stick within that, and stick within that, and find solutions within that, along with creating character, and then allowing your characters to find solutions to problems that the plot throws up.
2: And, and you, in, in that sense, then, in, in the kind of process from when you've had the conversations where you feel that confident, you understand the world and where you want to be heading to. Um, what's the process of because he he basically said that you've got the better memory than he has in terms of remembering what it is you've talked about seemed to be
3: yeah. I mean how
2: how so how are you capturing it it isn't just obviously imprinted on your brain how are you sort of generating the scenes and the sequences and then building up to writing script? Well, it is is
3: the idea of building up uh, sequences first and foremost. I I do a lot of tables. We try to sometimes on other scripts we've done visual representations of the ebb and flow of character and things like that um, which is helpful both whilst writing and and prior to writing and also can be helpful when you're trying to explain to to producers or um, primarily to producers what it is that you're you're looking to achieve Mm. and why. I think that, you know, in this script it's it's it, it'd be an interesting sort of graph where in the first it's an interesting balance where in the first 55 pages of the story primarily belongs and is driven by kane and the remaining 10 pages and so what should be 15 minutes on screens driven by eva Um and that's you know to go down that sort of route it's quite there's a fair few risks involved but that that's sort of where the once we had the universe and once we had the characters that's sort of where it drove us there's not the predetermination idea that we simply we have to have this here we have to have this there mm. this must this must work this way this must work that way you know things like the fact that it's got a slightly non-linear framing device is it, it's organic really we've tried it without as well but we've we've, we've stayed happier with it mm. it's all it is you know we talk we do talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about it and keep mm. going like that right the way through and and then you just you, you just sort of come to things um when you you feel as though this is you know this is this is a this is a clear solution this is a clear path, but I do think that what helps when there's two things that help when there's two of you and the way in which we do it at least the, the way what helps when there's two of you I think when you are right together is anyway if someone suggests something bloody stupid there tends to be
2: somebody there to say don't do that it's bloody stupid. Mm. Um, yeah, Dan, Dan talked a lot about the idea of uh, it reminds me because he talked about when you're out on your own you can go down lots of blind alleys quite yeah, easily. but and it's two of you. You've got a little check. You've got someone who can go. No, don't do
3: that. And I and I actually do think that from when I've written script on my own, um, or even when I've been sort of carrying one of our projects for like you know for a few weeks, where either Dan's been away, or um, one of the hardest things to do with with script, I think, is to delete it. I think that obviously when you put, you know, if you put like six days, six, eight-hour days in of plowing mm. through, and you've got yourself sort of 30 pages. But if you have made a mistake on page two, and pages three to 30 are therefore useless. Mm. One of the hardest things to do is mentally is to is is, is to undo. And whenever anyone who's, who's either not written a script before or isn't entirely sure what to do and speaks to me about this, I always say, you'll fi- one of the for hard bits you'll find hardest is if you've got something wrong, undoing it. I genuinely think because we instinctively as writers. As individuals, as humans, no one likes to admit the mistakes or that they've made a slight mistake or something. So sometimes either against yourself or against a producer, you'll go to bat for something that even if there's a voice in the back of your mind going, oh no,
2: oh no, because you don't want to sort of think, oh, I've lost this. And I think, that's, I think that's really, really hard. So but also there's the idea of having... There's also that little thing that about having done the work, so it's almost like you think yeah. I should be progressing forward as opposed to going back to go forward quicker. Yeah, completely. You know, you don't want
3: you to... You, exactly, you don't want to sort of find yourself... You know, you, you, you feel as though I'm 60 pages into a script I anticipate to be 90, please don't put me on a snake. Yeah, that yeah, results yeah, yeah. me being back down at 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something which, you know... I, and, and I think that's how you can sort of make, make a few mistakes that's the first thing the second thing is in terms of the, you know having the, that, that sort of check in place is that if, you, if you've established your own rules um, of, of whatever it is that you're writing and as I say I think this is the case in any medium I actually think theatre nails it best because it has so many more rules than, than film uh, tends to okay. um, uh, then I think, I think you can be sort of stopped uh, you, you know you can obviously go this thing we're about to embark upon this person is saying to me but we agreed three weeks ago when we were on the phone we agreed that in this spaceship there will be no room for this thing so how can you suddenly say now let's drop it in? Mm. Do we need to go back and check? Because if you want to go and change the rules, that's great. But I think and the other thing as well is that I think you can barter with yourself when you've set things up in your head as to what your script will or won't do. If it's just you, you can barter yourself, barter to yourself a bit more and say, Oh, you can. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll loosen that one Whereas If someone's especially as gnarly and bloody-minded and stubborn as both me and Dan are, then it's it's actually quite a nice needle to go. Well, you can't do that, Fitzy.
2: <laughs> not, not letting you mate. But also, but Dan, Dan, Dan made the, certainly the advice he was sort of giving in terms of. Uh, low-budget filmmakers, was it's got to be on the page. If you're going to come on set, there's nothing leaving things open to interpretation as far as everybody else you've got to work with because they need to know what you're trying to achieve as much as anything else.
3: Yeah, I think that you know there's a couple of things that I've sort of picked up from this process of doing this. It's that we need to be slightly more explicit in terms of uh, placing stuff on the page. I think that's the one thing I'd take from it, really. Okay. I think that um, certainly me, um, me more so than Dan. Dan's got more of a background anyway, but also... Um, I mean, obviously, the script ends up being joined, but the way I, I tend to write is slightly more. Um, is not perhaps quite as prescriptive as Dan, and I think that that's something I'll be looking to sort of address. To be honest with you, in script terms, mm. um, is is nailing down what is absolutely on the page. The other thing is as well is having worked because of the nature of this being such a micro-budget project, having worked closely, and by closely I mean putting polyfiller in things mm. with the production designers and things like that. Um I think. A greater appreciation sort of, of you know it's dead easy for like this for instance, it's not gonna at no point does anyone point this out in the script, but everything's a hexagon. You've been on set yeah, yeah. Everything's a hexagon. I made one of the hexagons. You made you've made a hexagon. <laughs> You're hexagoned up. Uh, the production crew are absolutely sick of hexagons. Right. And and hexagons are difficult to work with. Now it's important for this. This is in a sense it's a bad example because even now knowing what I'd know, I'd still want it full of hexagons. Yeah. But there's you know little things on there which may be the, we I think we've solved loads of problems in the script for the for the product for forever for like the script could be much 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 more ambitious not in terms of theme but in terms of the demands it's placed on people but through with the with the advice and help of jen we've moved that out um and, but also with our own instincts as well by making it as human a story as possible making it a story about being human uh, and we, we placed that to the forefront but what i think is even even with all that you know thrown up in the air, we've still got a question over the very one of the very shots towards the end where maybe because it's the second or third-to-last scene, we've not been clear enough in our rendering on the page of what it is that we want. And we're sitting here now, we're shooting it tomorrow, and no-one's sure how they're going to do it. And that we should have solved that problem for them. They shouldn't have to solve our problems. We should mm. solve theirs. And that's sort of what I'm taking from this, really, is that I think you've got to, if you're going to get people in, and not even a matter of being about the money, but they've got no forget the idea of how much you are around paying them. The idea of what they do or don't have is a budgetary concern. Mm. I think if you can, on the page at this level of budget and having that been around it, solve as many problems for people as humanly possible, be clear in your instructions.
2: But I think, I think, I think it's one of the I've read this is a, one of the bigger issues with certainly spec writing when you're doing sci fi because obviously you don't want, you can't go into sort of my, the minutiae of what you want it to look like because it's, it's the idea that you'd have that conversation when you're commissioning a yeah. film. But obviously, that means for the reader, there tends to be either a they imagine Blade Runner or they imagine Logan's Runner or something. Is that, there's only kind of so many ways you can yeah, be informed I, I, by whatever sci fi future they can picture.
3: I think that's a profound, I think that's a profound issue with script full stop, to be brutally honest with you, is that you are uh, the thing that you write, the person who picks it up attaches so many quick perceptions to the thing mm. that you've written and I think that that's something which you know if you work in, if you work in long form if you, if, if you write novels um, then you're able to get a greater hold of I'd say earlier and I think that that's something which we've written all the scripts we've ever put together is that everyone's come with Comes with a number of preconceptions attached, mm. and it can be. And you can, I think it can work for you in that someone can just get exactly who. Mm. That's what. That's that's what I was thinking. Mm. Um, or it can be that someone is is completely over, over here, and, and therefore it makes getting a, getting a, uh, getting something commissioned tougher. Um, in this, no, but one, I was
2: thinking more of the fact that if I if I say I'm in a remote cabin for a horror film, and there's only really so many ways I can yeah. I can't be that misinformed. If you say I'm on a spaceship. Yeah, and of yeah, course. and then that's it. Yeah. And if I'm having to go with what a spaceship is, and that's going to be informed. And your, your spaceship could be the spaceship out of Alien. Yeah. Your spaceship could be the, could be Battlestar. Exactly. Antarctica. Yeah. yeah. There's, the, yeah. The, the, and that's yeah, and that's a, that. That's a... So what about you? You as a writer, though, what are you? Are you a kind of midnight owl man? Are you are you up in the morning? Are you a, you, are you set yourself an eight-hour shift? Or I'm. Um, how do you? Um, I like to solve problems in the morning and power through
3: in the night. Is sort of how I'd state it. I think it's it's nice to sort of do a late finish and feel like even if you've written you've written six pages and four of them could be rubbish um, mm. I think it's it's nice to sort of have that every now and again to have that powering through thing um, what is, what's the difference between solving problems and powering through then? Uh, the difference between solving problems and powering through is that in the morning you're, you're working out what it is that you're going to do and then the night you're just simply doing it
2: oh okay okay see. so
3: you, I like I like to sort of um, I, I, I plot and plan religiously I'm actually on something else that me and Dan are working out at the moment when I've been having just the occasional, very occasional, quiet moment on this set. I've actually got a six-columned spreadsheet with well done. with a with a thing in, and I think that lots of writers will probably look at that and think, Christ, what's he doing a spreadsheet for? Um, but I so I, I enjoy, that. and that, that that that's the sort of bit of it I I, I enjoy. That. It's not different than laying out some index cards on a table in a way. In a Way is it? it isn't, but it, I think it just sort of informs something that, that's, that's slightly spectrum <laughs> I was, was going
2: to say, but you, you are a producer as well, here, So I guess, you know, yeah, these, well these, these, are, these are all skill sets part of.
3: Like you're getting more and more of. I'm trying to think, I'm, it's, it's hard to think of specific. My, my big problem with this, Stuart, is I actually don't want to give too much plot away, uh, but I like sort of. Um, I like to find the beats, hit the beats,
2: and that's sort of the way in which I like to be as a writer. Hmm. I don't think. Is that, does that mean you're writing two targets, as it were? You've you've gone. These, this is happening, in, this is happening. So the bits in between, you're kind of you know you're driving there. Sort of, yeah. Uh, but it's a, but but that would
3: contradict what I was saying before about uh, creating the universal and the characters, sort of, solve the path for you. Mm. I, I just
2: like to to find. That's a combination of the two, though, isn't it? You yeah. you, you go, you situate your characters in this world and then they go on a journey to point A and, and it's the way those characters act which will determine... Well, how they get there. Yeah, yeah get there. and
3: I think that, that's what I mean when I say solving problems. I think mm. You've
2: set the world up and you've got to set the
3: world up. We talk... Endlessly about the world. I mean, it mm. really it was so boring about the world. whatever the world is that we're doing, it's better you it's know. It it if you're going to write with scripture, yeah. Well, this is <laughs> it. We, we, you end up with a lot of extraneous information, a lot of backstory, a lot mm. of and it's all side story almost, rather than backstory. A lot of stuff that's basically um, things that help you understand the world, mm. but don't necessarily ever end up on the page. Mm. Um, and and again, I think that that's important. The idea that as, as a writer, you can have, um, and it helps that Dan's going to go on and be writer director and I'm gonna go on and be writer producer in this instance, but it's not necessarily that case. But if you can understand everything around your script as well as your script, Hmm. then I find that helpful. I find it useful. I find it good in conversations with people. And I think Dan especially finds it useful when it comes to working with actors. It's very rare. Yeah,
2: because if they ask the question, why am I here? And you've and you've not given some of that a thought. Yeah, it's very rare that I think Dan it's very
3: rare that Dan comes back to me and says, X asked this and I, I was stumped. Mm. I think I can think off the top of my head of on the four or five different projects where we 've worked with got to the point of at least working with actors. I can
2: only think of one example is, is, there a di- is, would you, is there a direct influence on your script writing from other script writers that you that you enjoy or or do, do you take your references from elsewhere in terms of your script writing um,
3: I found that difficult to answer in terms of process i 'm not entirely sure because we 've just sort of started doing it mm. and we've just sort of kept doing it that way off the basis of what we were doing before, I mean, we wrote a very odd, um, involved football fanzine for um, a small period of time, we very, start, very first started writing, then we were asked to write about football for the BBC, mm. and then we went from there to, to writing something quite kitchen sinky, but then got turned into a comedy with somebody else, uh, that we're still trying to get made uh, years, years and years ago, but we're still committed to it, um, but the, that, so therefore, then it was when we first started doing the, the very involved football fanzine thing. It was best thing I can do is everyone's got a Northern Soul film. Mm. Everyone's got a Northern Soul. Practically everyone you speak to in the British film industry got a Northern Soul film. My friend Pete has for sure. Everybody's got a Northern Soul film, and we had a Northern Soul film back in I think about two thousand and five. We had a Northern Soul film, and we pitched it. I'm not going to say where we pitched it. I'm not going to say who we were working on it with, and what we sent them was we built a website. And we built an entire website which was full of hot links back in 2005. This was, and we shut you and we did, we did this thing, yeah. And it was everything, every single name in there you could click to, and you mm. come to another name. So we built what was effectively a large database, some of which was real mm. and some of which was based on fictional information, uh, which we created. So every single character had their own screen and okay. come up, and you get the background of the character. But then if it mentioned anyone else, then you could go. And so we created this enormous web of mm. information. And we did this. Like a family tree for your like, film? Almost like a family tree of film, with, every single, with, with locations, real fictional, with um, uh, things did that gone it still live on there. this website? No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, with things that have gone on there, uh, with, um, with, 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 as I say, with, with every single character name in, even if they were just the most mundane character. And that's sort of what we do. And I, I, I don't know if anybody else does that, but that's sort of what we do. Hmm. And that's a really good representation of what we do. That's, I think, I think it's fundamentally a bit mad. But you know, there's times when I think the sure there must be a more sane way to do
2: this. But I think, like you say, if you if you if, you're, if, if, if your writing is about immersing yourself in a world with characters that that exist in that world, then then the more you, the deeper you can you can swim into it, the more the more you are immersed in it, aren't you? It's not yeah, you, completely. It's, the fact that what ends up happening being on the page is only like five percent of what you've mined. Yeah, doesn't matter, does it? The fact that that five percent becomes pure is because the ninety-five percent that you understand already yeah completely i mean this this is like di- i mean this project is actually slightly different than that
3: because because we were very well aware of the budget and because we were writing very much from a a targeted point of view of also getting it done, mm. um, and also because the universe is such a closed-off universe in terms of the, of it being just simply this one dominated by this one spaceship location, dominated by two characters. We didn't put ourselves in a position where, and we were we were mining and mining and mining mm. for, 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 for ages. But on the whole, that's you know that that that's sort of what we do. Sometimes I'll write prose, Dan I'll adapt. Um, we've got a project where we did that for the first sort of the first twenty pages or so.
2: Um, oh, that's and interesting, so what, you, you, you'll you sort of
3: write stories? We'll it talk it through, I'll go away, I'll effectively write um, what would, I'd write about four, four or five pages of prose, and then I'll turn it into, what I think it was averaging out about six or seven pages of script, and then send the script back and I was saying, you know, what, you, what then we'd have a conversation, why have you left this out, why have you left this out this bit here, mm. something that was interesting um, and what that script had was that it actually had a load of beautiful imagery mm. in it, Um and then it, it needed it needed a couple of polishes, but had, and we we were never quite happy with the way the story itself played out. But a load of the images that we, mm. we created between the two of us, we were really happy with the idea of getting them on screen.
2: Now, finally, then, for, for from a from a, a screen a screenwriter, who might be listening to this now. What would you say would be a lesson learned from the maybe the co-writing experience? or the experience of preparing the script for this film which um, the thing you would, about the you thing take ab- forward well the thing about the thing I said before
3: about sort of put yourself in the shoes of insert member of crew here
2: hmm.
3: um, i think I think me and Dan both put ourselves very keep ourselves very much in our shoes and think about the actors but I think the key thing I'd take going forward is the idea of at some point and certainly if you're on if, if you're on a low budget at some point somebody somewhere is going to look at you and say how do you want me to do this? How 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 can
2: I? So it's the William Goldman thing about if you write fifty elephants come over the hill, somebody's going to train elephants. Somebody's going to yeah
3: hugely. Mm. Um, I think that that's and I think that when you get down to when you get down to real, I'm not saying for a second I'm not saying don't imagine on the page because that would be, it'd be a great shame first and foremost. And and don't underestimate the ingenuity of the people that you're working with. Mm. Our production designer has been absolutely fantastic um, and he's multitasked. And he's made all sorts of stuff happen. You've seen it yourself going yeah. around. It's it's an astonishing achievement. But I do think that you've you can use the idea that there are limitations around things, as I say, as a positive, And mm. you can very much um, just without doing anyone's job for them or presuming that people won't be able to do to, to do any job. The very least you can do is be consistently really, really clear. And not not be obtuse and the key thing about the co-writing thing is the key thing that i'd I'd, I'd, rec- I'd recommend anybody who who either does write script or wants to write script has a go at some point at either us either a really involved um script editor to write a relationship and i mean really involved like mm. to the point that it's practically a collaboration mm. or simply has a collaboration with another writer not least because you have more of a laugh, the jokes are better, um, you can I rattle along. I agree. Um, you know, I th- I'd recommend that that aspect of it, and and you don't feel as though you're fighting, you, you, you're alone in the world. And I think that, from from a writer's point of view, and certainly, I was going to say something stupid there, like couldn't climb it, like it wasn't always the case. I think, <laughs> um, I think. I think Billy Wilde had the same problems, which is why I work with that <laughs> Diamond. I think, I I think it's, I just think, I I ultimately wonder what you're in it for in that. It's, it's, in that, if you're if you're writing, if you're writing script and you're not going to direct it, mm. then you are already, and you're, you're not going to produce it, then you're already in a fundamentally hugely collaborative relationship anyway. So totally you great. you can collaborate early, you can mm. collaborate on the script because you, you you're already you're not going to get the idea that you're the writer and you're going to get your vision on screen, even if you're the director you know you need you need you need everything to come in your favor and you need all the you know you're going to have to compromise on X, y, or Z at some point anyway mm. and you're going to be in a collaborative relationship with other people who 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 are both technicians and artists mm. firstly secondly though if you're not if you're not writer director if you're just writer then at some point you're going to be pulling a director in and at some point that director's going to going to want you going to have to give him some room mm. so i would recommend to anyone i'm not saying for the second i, I write i write some stuff alone uh, all that sort of stuff. I'm not saying for a second never write alone, but I'd say, well, what are you in it for if you're not gonna, if 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 you're, you, you you're going to collaborate? So may, maybe consider every now and again one project
2: a year, collaborate from minute one. Thank you, Neil.
1: My name is Jen Handorf and I am one of the producers of Native.
2: Right then, nice to meet you, Jen. Um, for for Dan Neil and Jim, this is their first feature, mm-hmm. but it's not yours.
1: It is not. It is not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what was it that excited you about Native to get you involved with the project with them?
1: I was really keen to do a science fiction film. I, I actually was talking to a friend back at New year saying, you know, I've done a lot of horror. I really yeah. love horror. I'm looking forward to going back to horror, but I've never done a science fiction film. And the idea of creating a world in which you create your own rules and that you don't, you don't have to adhere to any cultural stereotypes mm. was really interesting to me. Um, and so you know, Dan and I talked about doing something for a while, and when he came to me and said, I've got this idea for a science fiction film, what do you think? I said, you know what, that's perfect for me this year. I really wanted to do one, so it's mm. perfect timing.
2: And, sort of, and like you say, you, you, it's all about creating the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what did you perceive to be the main challenges in the sort of run-up to production? The set
1: build, absolutely the set build, yeah. because we, we needed to design the spaceship um, and John Revel designed it and uh, built it as well. And we needed something that was going to communicate uh, the size of the space yeah. without, um, without being too duplicated. And, and so John came up with this really incredible design where we could reutilize the space and sort of repurpose it for, mm. for every room with, with some really clever design changes. Um, and then obviously because of our budget, we, we wouldn't have the ability to do a full, you know, Ridley Scott style build. We had to, we had to make the most of it. Um, first location we looked at as somewhere to build the set had seven foot high ceilings. Wow, and, and that, that would have been, been
2: restricted. <laughs>
1: that was when we thought, oh God, what are we going to do? And then we had wanted to film in Goresbrook initially but we'd mm. been told that they'd it'd been sold and they weren't sure if we could go in but eventually the new the new owners were um, were permissive and allowed it us allowed us to come in and build the the spaceship in their old um, gym facility so that's what we ended up doing which was a real coup that we were actually able to achieve it mm. so very very pleasing a huge a huge potential problem that actually wound up being sorted out relatively early on
2: yeah no it's like a little mini pinewood on the a13 it really
1: is, it is as well <laughs> glorious dag and next on pinewood's uh, map
2: and then so what would what do you think has been the, the sort of uh, the main achievements you think that have in, in the production having that being the challenge going up to what have you...
1: well i mean again the set is mm. spectacular and and it looks so beautiful on film it looks really painterly um and we're all just overwhelmingly pleased with it and then um another another of john's achievements is the costume department john mm. john who is probably going to disappear into a into a black hole if being overworked after this production did both our set set design and build as well as mm. the costume design um, and he brought in a load of just really beautiful pieces uh mm. for the day in the testing facility and it was it was really exciting to see him build this science fiction world out of wardrobe which you know to us in our time and in our culture is quite out there and quite, oh, it's a sort of Lady Gaga type situation, but for, th- for this world, it really communicated visually mm. what, what they're all about, so it was really exciting to see that come together.
2: Now, part, part of the deal of, of, of shooting in this centre was about working with local schools and getting work experience in. Absolutely. Um, how do you feel it will, I mean, these are like 17-year-olds with aspirations to work in film, how do you feel an experience like um, working on a, a low budget set like this will benefit them in terms of and moving forward,
1: I have always been a big fan of learning on the job yeah. for filmmakers. I think that film school, having having done an undergraduate degree and a master's degree in filmmaking, <laughs> she says, yeah. um, but even even then, it was always the exercises where you're filmmaking with your classmates, where you really learn the the practicalities of it. Um, it's, it's really a field where you can read theory and you can read practice and you can read all these books about how people did it and how they recommend you do it. But until you get there in the space, you don't really understand what it's like. Mm. Um, I mean, it's exhausting. You have to be on your toes the entire time. You have to be able to, to rethink an entire... You know, something that took you three weeks to plan suddenly falls out the window and you have to be able to rethink it in, in two minutes. Um, and I think for these kids, I think you know, maybe some of them will decide actually this isn't for me, but I think for the most part they've gotten bit by the bug and that's, that's really exciting to see these kids come in and say, you know what, this is really awesome I can't wait to do this again and um, a couple of them have been really thrilled that a couple of them have actually asked if they can come work on the next project I'm doing, if they can mm. come be runners on the next project I'm doing so um, obviously haven't frightened them away too much <laughs> but um, I think it's it's a really valuable experience it's a really valuable experience
2: Thank you Jen And so concludes The first Britflix film show set report from the film Native. Thank you to the crew for their patience with me on set and for taking time out to speak to me and making this podcast come alive. Good luck with the post production. It's the Britflix.com podcast. links.com podcast